we would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. Just a kind of an update on some things that I feel like God is doing. Uh, number one, Morgan is on her way to the emergency room just to get checked out, but her vital signs were normal. Uh, they're just, they're not really sure what all, but they're going to just to be safe taking her down to get her checked out. So let's remember her, continue to pray for her, uh, and especially mama right now, because that's a scary thing uh, when your child is, is not well. So let's remember this as well. But um, I want to give you an update uh, on kind of some things that are going on. Um, this right here is our coffee can. This represents that God has it all. Amen. Amen. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, what we need to finish this here and what we need to, to get our new building built, God already has it. And I've said that and said that. Uh, Monday and Tuesday nights, if you're missing Monday and Tuesday nights, you're missing something. I'm telling you. Uh, we, we have our prayer nights on Monday and Tuesday nights. This is taking the place of right now of Man Cave this month. So we got one more uh, planned in our uh, women's meeting, our Harvest Women's uh, meeting. I don't know if y'all changed the name or what yet, but uh, so I'll just say usually they meet. She shed. <laughs> so this is taking the place of that right now. And so um, what, what we're doing is we're gathering together, not as just the men and the women, but together on Monday and Tuesday nights. And we're just spending an hour in prayer. Now, you don't have to spend the whole hour. You may only have 10 minutes. But there's something about just making that effort and coming into the house of God. It's a seclusion. I don't know. Uh, I, to me, it's just shutting out the world for just a little bit so I can focus on what it's all about. So from 6.30 to 7.30 on Monday and Tuesday nights, we've been praying. So I've been telling you, I got coffee can faith. Uh, you know, people asked me, said, said, uh, you know, how much is this building going to cost? I said, it's going to cost us several million dollars to build our new facility. And uh, they said, well, you act like that, you know, that that's just laying around. I said, for God, it's buried in a coffee can. Well, the Lord brought that back to me. So I bought a coffee can kind of show you guys what I was talking about. So last Monday night in my prayer time, the Lord just moved on my heart and said, you know what, take what's in your pocket. And I usually don't have any cash. Just take what's in your pocket. Now, I'm, I'm, this isn't what I'm preaching on. I'm just going to show you how God moves and, and put it in the can and just believe me for it. So I, I didn't have anything but some ones because I like to feed those to Peyton for break sometimes. One, two, three, four, five. I had five dollars. And so I dropped it in the can and I said, God, you know what? You can multiply that. Well, I got an envelope this morning and uh, here's $10,000. It gets better than that because I told the clerk he better come get this now. I don't want it. So, so he's going to come get this now, and that's going to go in the safe. But um, can we just praise God? Can we just praise God? And I am not about the money, but it takes money to keep ministry going. Amen? It takes money to do things. Well, um, so I was telling Jeff, I said, you need to come get what I'm about to pull out of that can because I'm not leaving it in a coffee can. I said, uh, you know, I got to make room for the next 10. I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, the Lord moved on me, and I, I told him about it, and he goes, well, last week we were given 11500 And I'm sitting there going, and, and this news wasn't important to share with me last week. 
So anyway, <laughs> sorry, anyway. So what are you saying? I'm saying when you move in the right direction, I told you, when you take a step of faith, God will meet and exceed. And so right now, more than half of the remodel for the church has been paid for. More than half of it. So I'm thankful for what God is doing. So what are you saying, Pastor? I want your faith to be built that what God ordains will come to pass, whether it's in the church or whether it's in your own personal life. Stay faithful. Be, be, be consistent in your prayer. You say, I've not seen it happen, and I'm getting weary of praying because maybe God doesn't want to do it. Maybe you don't want to do it your way, but he's going to do it his way, and I've found out his way always points back to him and gives him the glory and gives him the honor and gives him the praise. I want him to get all the glory. Amen. How about you? I want him to get all the praise. How about you? For the things that he has done. Now, we're going into part two of our series on heart failure. So if you uh, want to uh, get your Bibles ready, I'm going to throw quite a few verses at you. Uh, we're going to be kind of all over the place today in the Word, but but you need, need your Word. I'm going to encourage you to start doing this. I know we use our phones I know we, we like to use our phones, our tablets, and different things, but there's nothing like the feel of a Bible in your hand. Get your Bible and start bringing it with you. Get your sword. Be ready to go to work for God. Get ready to read the Word. I, I'm going to tell you, the devil doesn't fear my words, but he fears God's words. Amen? So keep that in mind. So we're going to talk about heart failure, and we're going to, to talk about this spiritual heart that we have. The, now, when you were in children's church, they said, now you need to ask Jesus into your heart or VBS, wherever you did that. And I don't know if you were like me, but when I was a kid, I thought, well, he comes into my physical heart. Okay, most kids would think that. But as I got older and began to study that out, I realized that the heart in Jewish culture was the well center of where the soul was. And he's saying, I'm asking God to come into my very, my, my very soul to redeem it, where my thoughts come from. The Bible says that, that you thought your thoughts came out of your head. They actually come out of your heart. Your soul is whispering to your head. And sometimes your head is whispering to your soul. And when your head is telling your soul that God can't do it, that's when we lack faith. But when our soul, who God knows, amen, on an intimate level, it begins to speak to our thoughts, all of a sudden we begin, I, I was sharing with our pastoral staff as we met and prayed this morning in, 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 in my office before we came out here, uh, we met and prayed and, and I was sharing with them, I said, sometimes you just get, it gets humorous at what the devil brings. And because he brings the same stuff over and over again. It might have new face, new name, but it's coming the same way it always comes. And it really, the other day I was like, really, this is what you've got? Really, this is what you've got because God gave me victory over it yesterday. He'll give, it to, give me victory over it today. And guess what? If you bring it tomorrow, he's already got my tomorrow. So wherever you bring it, guess what? My God is the answer. Sometimes you just need to get fed up with some things. But you see, I shared with you last week, I believe that what we're suffering from, not just in the world, but also in the church, is a, is a condition of our spiritual hearts. How do we address spiritual heart failure? First, by, by, uh, uh, first, by concern for our heart's health. We've got to be concerned about our spiritual heart. The, uh, Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, from, for from it flows the springs of life. In other 
other words, out of our heart, out of the well center of your soul flows all the good things that God wants to feed your life. And so we got we to gotta look at that. Second of all, by attendance of the great phys uh, physician. If you are sick, you get a doctor. Amen? Or you should get a doctor and, and, and get them to check it out. Something's going on with you physically, get checked out. Get, you know, last week, Tina couldn't be here because her brother started feeling bad, had to do a heart cath on him. So she took off to see them in South Georgia and be with her family. Why? Because he needed a physician and because something was going on. Aren't you thankful today that we have a great physician named Jesus who attends to the spiritual welfare of our heart? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way or sinful way that translates out of the Hebrew in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Psalms 139 verses 23 through 24. Ultimately, the way everlasting is found in Christ and Christ himself. We have to turn to him. Now, today, I want you to turn to, uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me or you have your phones, flip to it uh, to, to, or tap to it. Matthew, I mean, not Matthew, but, but Proverbs 23, uh, the 23rd chapter and the 7th verse. For the Bible says this, for as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. If you think it, you're going to become it. And I, I like what Pastor Jensen Franklin says. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. If you hang around with people that are not of good character, before long, your character will begin to shift and change like them instead of being, I've warned you ladies right there already. But if you hang around people of great character, it's going to rub off on you. So again, we need to understand the power of good character, of hanging around people who have a good heart. Have a good heart. You ever said that about somebody? You know what? They got a good heart. You're not, they're not a cardiologist. You're not evaluating what their physical heart condition is. What you're saying is there's something good flowing out of them. They're, they're just a good person. Guess what? There's nothing good about any of us on our own. It is the power of Jesus that makes anything likable in any of us. How many of you would say, you know what? I'm a pretty detestable, grumpy person without Jesus. Okay, I, I'm very difficult. I'm a Monday morning guy seven days a week without Jesus in my life. I need Jesus. How about you? He changes my heart. He changes who I am. So as a man thinks in his heart, that's so he is. So how you're thinking about who you are, that's how you're going to become. The word heart is used different ways throughout the scripture. I want you to see the meaning of the word heart from a biblical point of view this morning. The Bible says man, a man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. 1 Samuel 16 and 7. You realize we're good at looking what, on what's on the outside and judging what it is from the outside instead of looking at what's really on the inside. There's a lot. Of, you know, the other day, I sent Paige a video and said, uh, every girl needs to marry a nerd. Um, and it was, it was, it actually said, if he's got a, if he's got a lightsaber, that's a, that's a green flag. Okay, if he can quote Harry Potter, that's, he's got a wand, that's a, that's, that's, that's a green flag. What he was saying about it is because he's going to care about what's on the inside of you, not just what's on the outside of you. Now, how many would agree with this statement? Looks change. I got news for you. You may say, boy, he's hot, and then one day he's not. <laughs> you better have more on the inside than the outside going for you. You hear me? God is wanting you to look at the condition of heart. So man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. We look on the, guess what? God, we can look at somebody and say, that's a godly man. 
That's a godly woman. That's a godly person. But we're looking on the outside. God knows what's really on the inside of us. He knows what's really inside our hearts. He knows what we're thinking. You mean he knows I thought about, yep. And he was there when I, yep. He knows it all. When God looks at a man, he doesn't look to see the color of their skin. He doesn't look to see what kind of clothes they wear. He doesn't consider his social position. The Bible says that God looks at the heart to see what you, uh, what you are on the inside. He looks at your thoughts. He looks at your motives. He looks at your intentions. He looks at the very concepts of your heart, what you're after, what your drive is. The question I want to ask everyone this morning is simply this. Is your heart right with God? You say, well, I'm saved. I'm not asking you if you're saved. I'm asking you, is your heart right with God? One of the men that was known to be a man after God's own heart, he wrote these words, search me, O God. Look in me. Search and see my heart. See if it's right with you. I want you to understand, I don't care if you've served God for five seconds or for 50 years. God wants you to look inside this morning and say, is, is my heart right with him? Is my heart condition where it needs to be this morning? The Bible says that God looks at our motives, our intentions. The question is, are you right with God? And if it's not right, before you leave here today, I got good news for you. With just one moment, with one just one, one mention of his name, whatever's wrong in your life, Jesus can make right. Uh, the devil will convince you this morning that you did too much last night or you did too much last week. You've drawn too far away. But I want you to understand something. Jesus is as close as the mention of his name. You know why? He's never left you for one moment. He's been walking, waiting patiently for you to call his name. And when you call his name, he's not saying, okay, Father, let me pack my bags. I'm going to earth, so I'm going to travel through the known universe, and I'm going to enter the realm of man, and I'm going to go to Trine, Georgia, and I'm going to go to Harvest Worship Center, and I'm going to find, uh, you know, Phil this morning. No, God says he's as close as the mention of his name. He's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere, all at once. I can't, that blows my mind, but I'm not God. But all I know is the Bible's true, and it says he's everywhere everywhere all the time and when I call his name he says yes son I'm here for you and I say God I need you forgive me and he says in an instant forgiven forgiven it can't be that easy it is it is the Bible indicates a great deal about the condition of an average person's heart Proverbs 6 18 oh you need to mark make this down uh, uh, in your notes heart a heart that devises wicked imaginations. The Bible speaks of that. He says there's a, the heart can have wicked things out of it. The heart can be wickedly deceitful and deceptive. I'm going to give you a great illustration. How many of you have ever said, oh, I love them with all my heart. This was going to last forever, and it didn't last past last week. Okay, your heart can fool you. Your heart can make you think things that aren't there. How many of you have ever walked on a car lot and you're like, oh, my heart loves this car. And then 30 days later, the payment comes and you're like, oh, my heart was wicked and deceitful. Now I've got a four, five, six hundred dollar car payment a month. My heart was wicked. Oh, I love that dress. It's just, oh, my heart says I need it. And you get home, you put it on, walk in and look in the mirror and you're going, oh, my heart was deceitful and wicked. Or you've had one of your friends say, oh, that looks really nice on you, and you go out and you see those looks, and it's not flattering looks. 
Oh, my friend was deceitful, but I listened to my heart. What are you saying, Pastor? Our heart can fool us. Our heart can trick us. So Jesus said, make sure who has ownership of your heart. Make sure that Jesus has ownership of your heart. The heart is devises wicked imaginations. In other words, the Bible says that your heart can be full of evil things. It can imagine wicked things towards God. Jeremiah 17, 9, told you I was going to throw some verses at you today. says, the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can know it? The only one that you can answer is God. God's the only one that can truly know the condition of my heart. Your heart is deceitful. You can't trust trust it outside of Jesus. I'm going to tell you right now, without Jesus, I don't trust me. Anybody else feel that way? All right, I'm the only one. Y'all pray for me. Y'all pray for me. I don't trust my decision-making outside of Jesus. I need Jesus to help me. Why? Because my heart, the Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, it's deceitful above all things and wicked. Billy Graham had this quote. I thought this was really good. You have very little time in private for God. This is how you know. You spend far more time watching television than you do reading the Bible. You spend far more time uh, reading the newspaper and reading novels than you do praying. You don't have time for God. Your heart is a long way from God tonight. That was one of his quotes from one of his crusades. He says, your heart, if you're where your heart is, the Bible says there also is what your treasure lies where your heart is. Some of us, what we spend our time consumed with is where our heart is. You hear me? That's where our heart is. In other words, it's far from God. Matthew 15, 8 says, This people draws close to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Jesus said, Their hearts are far removed from me. They, they speak good things. They talk good things, but their hearts are not following me. Their hearts are wicked. And they're, they're going their own way. Think of it now. Many of us go to church. We sing on Sunday morning. You go through the ritual of church. With your mouths we honor God, but where is our hearts? Is it far from him this morning? In other words, listen, I, li I like an old song that, 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 that from Hillsong that said, and it's simply the, a line of it says this, you know, I, I pray for revival on Sunday, but I can't even find my Bible on Monday. We got to be careful where our hearts are leading us, church. If we want to see God do some amazing things, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to see healing flow in the body of Christ. How about you? I'm ready to see God heal the mind, the body, the spirit. I'm ready to see God restore people. Amen? I'm ready to see addiction broken in people's lives. I'm ready to see captives set free. I'm telling you, it's a heart condition. We got to get our hearts right. In other words, we can go through the motions, but be, our hearts can be far from him. It is our hearts, listen to me, our authentic selves taken, taken up with the things of this world. Are we, are we captivated still by the world around us? Some of the symptoms of our hearts failing us, is, is, are failing us in this area. I want you to listen to these symptoms. You have little time for, for God. You have little time for a private moment with God. Look, it's great to have public worship. I think there's power in numbers. It's great when we come together and we worship God publicly. That's, you need each other, by the way. Uh, the Bible says that we don't need to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, even more so as we see the day coming. The more we see the return of Christ at hand, he's saying you need to be together more because you need to feed off of one another's faith. That's important. There's something powerful about, uh, you know, 100, 200 voices praising God on a Sunday morning. Don't you think? There's something powerful about that. But do you have private time with God? Do you have alone time 
time with God? Is your relationship just public or is it also private? In other words, this is my beautiful, hot, smoking wife sitting over here. Amen? Y'all had not heard that in a while. But listen, I'm going to tell you something. If my relationship with her is just public, in other words, I want to hold her hand when I'm out here in public and I want to, I want to you know, make you know, googie eyes at her. You said purdy. Anyway, if I want to do that in public, that's one thing. But I'm going to tell you, if I don't even want to talk to her once we're behind closed doors, it is a broken and wounded relationship. It's not something you want. I'm telling you this morning, you can have a public but not a private relationship with God. And if you don't have a private relationship with God, all you're doing is showing off. Because God's saying, I'm not impressed with that. What I want is I want alone time with you. You want something? Jesus is a jealous lover. He's a jealous God. He loves you. He's the lover of your soul. He's jealous over you. He wants time with you. Amen. I, I don't mind sharing my time with you know with other people and letting them, you know, be friends with my wife. But every now and then I'd like to have my wife to myself. You say, that's selfish. No, it's not. That's relationship. That's relationship. By the way, this is free for all the married couples in the room. If you ain't dating, shame on you. Keep dating. Keep going out. Keep having time together. Keep what started the fire will keep the fire. That one was free. Say, thank you, Pastor. <laughs> Amen. You didn't know you're getting two for one today. We don't have private time. You spend far more time on the Internet watching television or entertaining yourself with other things than being in the Word. I got news for you. It is the Word of God that makes our faith grow. Amen? It is the Word of God that makes our faith grow. That, that I might hide His Word in me, that I might not sin against you. He's saying the condition, I want His Word in me because guess what? Again, the devil does not fear me, but he does fear the Word of God spoken through faith in you. There's been a lot of times I've been you know, heavy in my prayer life. I've come in and I've just been weighted down and I've been praying, God, you see the enemy. I rebuke the enemy. I stand against the enemy. Lord, I, I come against him and I just feel that heaviness remain but then all of a sudden I open up the Psalms and I begin to read the Psalms and I begin to pray the word of God out loud by faith and I feel that heaviness lift off of my soul some of us need to pray the word of God and see the heaviness lifted off of our soul oh my goodness some of us need to learn how to smile Amen. look at somebody beside you here we go faith exercise today I want you to look at somebody beside you I want you to grin at it I want you to smile so it's hurting some of y'all. I can say, and some of y'all, it's just hurting. Smile at them this morning. Smile at them. I got to wait. You want to make them smile? Look them in the eye and say this. You sure are pretty. <laughs> Told you to get a smile out of them. You sure are pretty. Amen. That's enough. We're in church. That's enough. All right. Tell them, say, calm down, we're in church, we're in church. You spend far more time in the things of this world than in the Word of God. I'm going to tell you, without the Word of God, you will not succeed as a believer. When do I know I've read enough of the Bible when I know the Bible's reading me? Huh? Have you ever read a verse and it's like, wow, it's just like jumped off the pages at me? That's when the Bible's reading you. 
if you only read the, the warm, fuzzy stuff in the Bible, because there's a lot of warm, fuzzy stuff. Amen? Stuff that makes you feel good. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, man. I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to stay in John. First John. Oh, there's some really rough stuff in John, but First John, that's all about love. I'm just going to stick there. But I never allow him to do heart surgery on me through the word. You know, you shouldn't leave church always feeling good. Sometimes you need to leave church mad at the preacher. But that's okay because you're not really mad at me. And I learned, you know, I had to learn that as a young minister. You're mad at the truth. Because the truth hurts sometimes. Anybody? For instance, I'm going to expose liars in this room today. Y'all ready? I ain't going to name names, but any man that's ever had their lady look at him and say, does this dress make me look fat? Absolutely not. You look gorgeous. Matter of fact, I think you've lost 30 pounds. That, that's a lie for some of us. The lady's like, yeah, well, he can repent later. What are you saying? God knows the condition of our lives, and the Bible has to get in us. We need it to read us. Let's go a little bit further. What are some more symptoms of a failing heart? You spend far more time entertaining yourself than in prayer. Folks, I'm going to tell you right now, there is no substitute for prayer in a believer's life. You can't survive. You will not have a healthy heart without a healthy prayer life. There needs to be time where you seek the face of God, where you are you remove distractions and you pray. As a matter of fact, I'll never forget, Mom and Dad would always choose to have family devotion during the best TV shows, and then we didn't have BVR, v, VCRs. We couldn't record anything. Some of y'all don't even know what a VCR is anymore. But we couldn't record our shows. We didn't, we didn't have, you know, YouTube TV to put it in our library. We just had to watch it. And if, we, if you missed it, you had to wait a year till reruns. Anybody survived them, them years of torture? Okay. But mom and dad, they would be, they'd be like, turn off that TV. We're having family, family worship. What? I didn't get nothing out of family worship because I was mad, and I know y'all watch, and I love you anyway. But I got mad. I, I was like, man, I'm missing my shows. Guess what? They'd pull out that big family Bible. Anybody got one of them? Big old giant thing. And they would, Dad would read some verses, and then we'd all get on our knees, and we would pray as a family. And I've never, I don't know how many, I wish I had, I'd have enough money to build our new church probably. But Dad would say, Dad would be praying, and he'd stop in the middle of his prayer, and he'd quote a scripture at us. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I don't hear no effectual fervent in this room. <laughs> yes, sir. All the people out here praying to your mom and me. I'll be ready to get that phone call. <laughs> well, you raised you right. I know you did. You spend, I'm sorry. <laughs> having PTSD, I'm having flashbacks here. So anyway, I'm getting cold sweats just hearing myself quote, Daddy. So anyway. But we are guilty of finding entertaining things instead of really seeking the face of God. You don't have time for God. 
You have time for everyone and everything else, but you don't have time for God. I'm too busy. This is a major symptom of spiritual heart failure, and that's a symptom that your heart is far from God. Number four, dark hearts. Romans 1.21 says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. I believe this describes our modern world today, that because we are so consumed with so many things, that, and I'm going to just tell you, I, I'm thankful that, that technology's out there. We try to utilize technology in our church for, for, for spreading the gospel, but I'm going to tell you, sometimes it is the downfall for us because it's a lot easier to watch a podcast or watch a preacher preach than it is to get on my knees and seek God for myself. If I'm not careful, I will substitute good things for the right thing in my life. Prayer will never go out of date. It will never become old-fashioned. If you want to see miracles, church, if you want to see lives change, I wonder this morning, just a quick survey, how many are in a situation where you really need God to move for you? You need God to work for you. If, they, if you want to be honest with me, I want you to raise your hand. I won't pull you down here. I just want you to raise your hand. Come on, keep them up. You got a situation you need God to move in, in your family or maybe in your, your a friend's life. You've been praying. and they, Listen, I want you to understand something this morning. The only way that's going to happen. The only way that mountain is going to move is when the people of God shut out the world and seek the face of the living God and say, I need a move of the Spirit. I need a move of you, God, and I'll give up my time in other areas in order to have it. That's what this month of fasting has been about. Oh, I thought it was about money for the new church. That's just baiting you in. God's got that. He told me that day two of the fast. I got that. I'm going to take care of that. I'm more concerned about the spiritual house. I'm more concerned about the condition of the heart of my people. Because when they cry out to me, darkness flees. Listen to me. The Bible teaches that your heart is dark because your spiritual eyes have been blinded by the God of this age. And there is a God of the age. His name is Lucifer. He is, that's a small g in your Bible. And that means he's not a real God. He's a false God. But he is blinding people. And I'm going to tell you one of the major things he's blinding people with is religion. I got saved when I was three years old and baptized. And I belonged to such and such a church. But you live like the devil all week long. And you don't ever give God a second thought. You're just holding on to some fire insurance policy. I want you to know, I hope that works out for you. But what if it don't? What if it don't? What if you stand before one God one day and you find out, wait a minute, my heart is dark. And I was blinded by the God of this world. Let the Holy Spirit open the eyes of your heart. I know that's a strange phrase. My heart has eyes. No, it's an awakening. It's a spiritual awakening of myself. Do you know the greatest stumbling block for the king, to the kingdom of God? Murder? No. Theft? No. Drunkenness? No. Adultery? No. Addiction? No. More people stay out of the kingdom of God because of one thing and one thing alone. Pride. Pride. We don't like to humble ourselves and come to the cross of Christ. And we don't like to say, God, help me, because I am a sinner. And I'm going to tell you, when we get right with God, we don't like to admit, look, 
we dress up things a lot of times to make it not sting, okay? You ever found that? We like to say, well, <laughs> I'm not a sinner. I just, I make mistakes. Really? For him that knows to do good and does it not, it is sin. Search me, O God. One of the hardest stumbling blocks to revival, one of the biggest stumbling blocks to revival in the modern church is pride. Because there has been a call going out from the Holy Spirit for many, many years now for the church to repent. The church. But yet the church struggles with that word repentance. Because we think, well, I'm saved, so what is there for me to repent of? I want to ask you something. Have you looked at a Bible lately? I mean, I'm, I know it's rhetorical, but have you looked at one lately? If you hadn't, here's one right here. You're looking at it. Have you? It's a big book. Now, I'm going to ask you something. Anybody in this room lived 100% completely by this book this week? Anybody? I didn't think so. My hand's not going up. It's a big book. You say, but that's grace. Grace covers us. But grace does not excuse me. It covers me, but it don't excuse me. There's a difference. It, 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 it doesn't say, okay, you know that's wrong, so it's okay, I got you. No, grace begs us. It, 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 it calls to us, repent. Make it right. And guess what repentance is? Repentance is an about face, a complete turning and walking away from. We look, Repentance is that I'm sorry for what I just did and I'm going to walk free for a few minutes, but then I'm coming back or a, a few months or a few weeks. Repentance says I'm done with that anymore. I wonder if there's anybody in this room that finally got to a place where they quit playing their game with God and said, I know I'm not going to be free till I give it to Jesus and walk away away from that once and for all because it's going to continue to pull me back if I don't leave it behind. <laughs> Got to leave it behind. When we will not admit that we need God and his forgiveness, this is simply rebellion against him. Why is it rebellion against him? Jeremiah 5:23, but these people have stubborn uh, are, are stubborn have stubborn and rebellious hearts. They have turned aside and gone away. Jeremiah said, through the prophet Jeremiah, God prophesied to the, to the people of Israel. He said, they've got stubborn and rebellious hearts and have turned aside and gone away. Another translation says, gone their way. Gone their way. They did it their way. All right? I want you to understand Elvis lied. Or no, what, what, who was it? Sang it my way. I don't remember. Uh, Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. Didn't he do that? It don't, it don't matter. Anyway, he did it his way. We'll just say that. I want to just tell you something about doing it your way. Your way going to mess your life up. Anybody in this room did it their way besides me, and it messed your life up. Anybody did it what they wanted to do, and it messed your life up. And it took you, listen, there's an old saying that says, sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. 
That's what the old preachers preached when I was growing up. And they would say, sin will take you further than you want to go. Ha! You remember those days? <laughs> if you don't want to say, ha! Cost you more than you want to pay. Ha! I had to do one more. <laughs> what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying if we're not careful, we'll become a captive to our own way, our own way of thinking. And our rebellious hearts will lead us to a prison of our own making. You can blame Satan all you want, but I'm going to tell you something. I think I am 90% responsible for my failure. Satan's got about 10% ownership because I do enough damage without his help sometimes. Anybody besides me, I need God's help. The Bible says, says that our hearts are rebellious. The Bible teaches that your heart can be hardened. I want you to listen to this. The same sun that shines, this is another quote by Billy Graham I like. The same sun that shines on the clay hardens the clay, but it melts butter. The same gospel that is preached will soften some hearts until they will turn to Christ, but to others it will harden their hearts. Mm. It is possible for you to harden your heart by delaying Receiving Christ or repenting over things that are wrong in your heart and your heart become hardened and calloused before God to the point that you no longer hear him. I don't want to ever get to the place where I don't hear him. But there is a place we can reach where we have listened to ourselves so long because, listen, the devil will shout in your ears, God will whisper. And sometimes if we're not careful, we can get too far. Now, what is, is God's attitude towards our heart? Let's look at this. We're getting ready to wrap it up. The Bible says he knows the heart. By Psalms 44, 21, would not God have discovered it since he knows the secrets of the heart? He knows all your secrets, by the way. Let that one marinate. You mean he saw me when I, yep. He was there when I, yep. And he, yep, he was there. He was there. He knows all your secrets. You don't hide anything from God. I've said this phrase many times. You can fool your parents. You can fool your teachers. You can fool your friends. You can fool your husband, your wife. You can fool your mom. You can fool your dad. You can fool whoever significantly in your life. You can fool them. You can fool your pastor. But you will never fool God. Only a fool thinks they can fool him. You hear me? He sees us. And he knows where we're at. He knows what's happening in our lives. Why does he know what we're ha what's happening in our lives? It's not because he's nosy. It's not because he's ruthless. It's because he cares and he wants more than ever for us to live fruitful lives for him. But he realizes that if our heart condition is not cleared up, we will eventually have a heart attack. We will eventually lose our hearing towards heaven. The Bible says that he searches the heart. Think of it. The God of the heavens is searching your hearts this morning. He is searching and he is probing your life this morning. Jeremiah 17.10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart. He is looking into your heart this morning to see what is really there. Why? Because he wants to hurt you? No, because he's ready to do some spiritual surgery on you.
then the Bible says God ponders the heart. Proverbs 21, 2, a person may think their own way is right, but the Lord weighs the heart. You can think what you're doing is right. There's another verse that says it seemed good to them. They sinned against God and it seemed good to them in their own eyes. In other words, they convinced themselves that right was wrong and wrong was right. And I'm telling you, if that's not where we're living today, I don't know where it is that we're trying to stand. I'm going to say it once and I'm going to say it again. Wokeism has no place in the body of Christ. We need truth because the truth is what will set us free. I don't want you to lie to me. I want you to tell me the truth because I want to be in the presence of God one day. How about you? I don't want no, you okay, I'm okay, everybody's okay. Because I live in this world. Have you ever walked through a shopping mall or on your college campus or at your high school or your middle school, wherever you go, or your workplace and go, this place is messed up. <laughs> you ever looked and said, people are messed up. We need truth. And I'm going to tell you now, I'm going to preach truth, whatever the cost. You can rationalize the way you're living and the way you're doing, that your way you're doing is right. The Bible says God doesn't take your evaluation or your judgment to heart. In other words, you can rationalize all you want, what you're doing is okay, God sees. You see, we can entitle ourselves to sin if we're not careful. Well, in this situation, I'm okay. No, you're not. The Bible says that God ponders your heart, meditates on it, and evaluates it. Would you like to have a new heart today? That's my question to you. I would. I'm going to answer my own question. I want a new heart today. You said, oh, really? You, 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 what's messed up with you? Everything. <laughs> Some of y'all saying, amen, I know that. <laughs> what are you saying? I want a new heart today. You see, I don't want to ever come into a time. Where I, 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 I have this crazy belief that us being human, when we come into the presence of God, when we're truly in his presence, we better be changed. We should be changed. Amen. Moses went before God, and God appeared in the form of a burning bush, and he left there different. The, the, the disciples were called from their fishing nets to follow Jesus, and after they encountered Jesus, they were different. Listen to me. Then how come we come into the house of God and we leave the same? How come we come into the house of God and we pick up our old familiar sins sometimes before Monday morning? How come the things that have plagued us are gone, that plagued us for 30 years, 20 years, 10 years, 5 years are still plaguing us today? It's because we're not allowing God to get into our heart. I want you to know something. God wants to get up in your business this morning because he loves you. He, and, and to tell you something, he's not going to leave you the way he found you because he loves you too much. Oh, he'll take you just like you are. He'll take you with the smell of alcohol on your breath this morning. He'll take you if you still a little bit buzzed from last night but I'm here to tell you you won't leave here the same because he'll wash you in his blood he'll redeem you this morning oh my goodness he'll take you just like you are but he'll love you too much to leave you the same change in our lives and the direction is what he's after Change your whole moral life. In other words, I'm going to live differently. 
He wants you to change your affections, the things that you love. Amen? He wants you to change those. You say, well, I don't want to give up some of the things I love. Some of the things I love aren't sinful. I love Alabama. That's sinful. I'm playing. Some people love Alabama are pretty upset at Alabama right now. Don't worry, George is right there with you. What are you saying, Pastor? That's not what we're getting at. The things that are I'm affectionate to, what's taking the place of time with God? What's taking the place of what's got your affection? It is a call for regeneration. It means that God will give you a new life this morning. I want to make that clear. God will take your old life and he will give you a new life this morning. He'll give you new thoughts. He'll give you new energy. He'll give you new ambition. He'll give you new direction. And he'll give you new dreams to dream. I'm here, some of y'all still trying to figure out, some of this is for all of our young people, some of y'all trying to figure out what you want to be. You in a major right now, and you, some of y'all about to graduate, and you're like, I don't know if I really want to do that or not. God will give you the right ambition that will bring glory to his name. Surrender your life to Christ and give him your life, and he'll give you a new heart. It's a call for regeneration. That word regeneration means that he makes and brings to life in us. Once again, he regenerates our life, a new direction in our life. The Bible says that there are three things that are necessary for this to take place, and we're going to close with this. Number one, you must be willing to turn from your sin. Repent. you got to be willing to do it. And, and look, this is how I pray over every time we gather. I can preach condemnation to the point that you'll do one or two things. You'll leave or you'll come forward because you feel so guilty and so condemned by what I'm saying. But you see, the problem with condemnation is we'll pray till we feel better, but we won't pray till we've changed. What we need is true Holy Spirit conviction in this room. Because when somebody comes under conviction to the cross, that's not the pastor making you feel bad. That's the Spirit of God drawing you to his presence so that the great physician can perform heart surgery on you. Sometimes it takes a whole new heart. Sometimes it takes a heart transplant. Amen? So number one, I have to come to Jesus and turn from my sins. I have to renounce my sinful life. Number two, you must commit and surrender your life to Christ. By that I mean you have to give Christ and accept him as your only option for salvation. There is no other option. You, you're not saved by joining this church or any other church. You're not saved by living a good life. You hear me? I, I'm morally good. I'm morally good, so I'm good. No, you're not. You're not saved by that. You're, not sa you're saved only because of the grace of God through Christ. And you must commit yourself to Christ as your only option for salvation. The question is, are you willing to do that this morning? Number three. You must be willing to follow him, serve him, confess him, and acknowledge him. I'm going to say that again. 
You must be willing to follow him, serve him, confess him, and acknowledge him. You must be willing to go back to your job, back to your home, back to your school, and stand up for Christ and what is right. Are you willing to do that? Then let him change you today. Will you stand? Let him transform you today. I just want everybody that will just to bow your heads for a moment and close your eyes. This first part of this is just simply for the people in this room that might not be saved. In other words, if you were to die right now, you don't know where you would end up. You, you think you might, but you don't know. Well, nobody's looking around, please. Nobody, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room and you don't know where you would go, you don't know. You think or you're uncertain, but you really don't know. You're saying, Pastor, I've lived my own way for so long. I've done, I'm just made a mess of things and I don't know how to get it straight. If that's you, and you're saying this morning, I need Jesus to do a transplant in my life. I need him to, to take out my old heart and give me a new one. I'm ready to confess him to be my Savior. If that's you in this room or watching at home, I want you, if you would, just to slip up your hand with no looking around. Just slip up your hand and put it right back down. You don't have, I won't embarrass you. I won't call you out. I won't pull you down here. Thank you. There's some others. You, you don't know you would make it. You just don't know. You're saying, Pastor, I don't know if I would go to heaven. I need to know. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand and put it right back down. I just want to pray for you this morning. There, there's others. Come on, there's others. Thank you. Thank you. There's some others in this room. Come on, let's obey the Lord. Let's obey the Lord this morning. There's some other people that need to just take that step of faith and say, Pastor, I'm acknowledging I need Jesus as my Savior this morning. I need a heart transplant. I've been in heart failure for, for so long. I don't know where I would go if I was to die. I don't know where I'd end up. And listen, you can listen to your thoughts or you can listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Holy Spirit this morning. If that's you, raise your hand. I'm going to give it one more, one more chance. There were some others that needed to do that. Number, number two, if you're in this room and you are a child of God, but you know you're not where you need to be, your heart is failing. You've got heart failure. You know you go to heaven, but your life is not everything you know it should be. You're not living your life for Jesus the way you should be living your life for Jesus. You're not living in joy. You're not living in the fruit of the Spirit manifesting itself in your life. You're just kind of getting through from moment to moment and hoping for, for something to change along the way. But you're, you're spending more time in this world than you are in the presence of God and the things of this world. In other words, church attendance is a chore. It's not a joy for you. And you're saying, Pastor, I'm sick of that. I'm ready for a change. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Come on. Let's be honest. There's some others in this room. There's some others. Raise your hand. Be honest today. You can put it right back down. Be honest today. Pastor, I need a change. There's others in this room. Come on, church. You want to see a move of God? It starts with you. It starts with you. I want to see my husband saved. It starts with you. I want to see my wife changed. It starts with you. I want to see my kids on fire for God. It starts with you. I want to see my friends closer to Jesus. It starts with you. Because you can't lead where you're not willing to go. 
Come on, there's some others. Raise your hand. Take that step of faith and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm tired of just egging through and getting by. I need a move in my life. If you raised your hand this morning, listen, this is the tough part, but there's enough people this altar should be filling up. If you raised your hand for the first thing, you're saying, Pastor, I, I want to know I'm going to heaven. I, mean, I want to know I'm saved. I want you to take somebody by the hand and say, would you just please come pray with me if you don't want to come by yourself? Come on. There's some people that need to respond to this this morning. Don't leave this room uncertain of your destiny. Don't leave this room uncertain of where you would go or where you would end up. Today's the day. Today's the day. You need to make certain in your life that you're on your way to heaven. Come on. There's some others in this room need to respond right now. You need to respond right now. I want to ask some of our intercessors to come and help us pray this morning. Now, if you raised your hand to the second part of this, to the second part of this altar call, and you said, Pastor, I know I'm on my way to heaven, but something's got to change in my life, I want you to start to make your way and just find a place to pray. Come on. You say, I can do that in my seat. It's something about that physical move to represent a spiritual decision. It really is. There's something about it when I make that step and I say, oh, I'm coming forward because I'm not going to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you raised your hand and you're saying, Pastor, I want, I want, to, I want to be closer to Jesus. I want my family to be closer to I need a move of God. I want you to come. F folks, I'm telling you, this is what's going to bring revival in your home. This is what's going to bring revival to your family. This and this alone is when I say enough is enough. I need a move of God. I need the power of God. I need the presence of God. Will you come? Will you come? Will you come? Will you come? Make your way. Make your way. Make your way. Make your way. Say there ain't no room. We can kneel at the front seats. I don't care if we're kneeling in the aisle. Let's come. Let's come this morning and say, I want to give everything to Jesus this morning. Some of us, our eyes are too much on people, and it's stealing our joy. God says, I'll restore your joy if you get your eyes off of people. Get your eyes on me. Will you come? Will you come? Will you come? Will you come? There's others. I'm going to tell you, if you can't, just turn to somebody right there and say, hey, pray with me right here. It's too crowded down there. I'm going to pray right here. Come on, don't leave this room not knowing where you would go this morning. Don't leave this room without joy in your life this morning. Now I want to say everybody in our seats to begin to pray this prayer. God, search my heart. Search my heart. Create in me a clean heart, O oh Lord. Change what's wrong. Amen, 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 amen. We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you would like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.